Guilt leaves out that critical step of turning that allows us to change for the better instead of dwelling on our mistakes. Hello, beautiful people. It's your host, Danielle Mason, bringing you authentic conversation, transparency around real life experiences, and actionable tips to create your next breakthrough today. Think of this as your home away from home healing oasis where we overshare and overcome obstacles together. Pull up a seat, come as you are, and be ready to leave feeling challenged to reflect, encouraged to take action, and inspired to change. This is the Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. I'm going to be honest. I really wasn't sure what solo episode I was going to record next or what topic I wanted to talk about. So I went straight to prayer. And as I was in prayer on what I needed to speak about next, this phrase popped up in my mind. What do you do when you want to stop but can't? These past couple weeks, I've had multiple women reach out to me about their specific struggles and they all had a common theme. They knew what they were doing was wrong, but they were struggling to stop. I felt this burden to really bring truth around what to do when you feel like you can't stop sinning. It's like what Paul talks about in Romans 7, 14 through 25. It says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. That's our sinful nature. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. It's all this back and forth that you guys can see, right? I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. I share this verse because I want you to see and understand that you are not alone in this. As humans, we want to always achieve perfection. Some of us have this all in or all out concept in our minds and we tell ourselves, if I don't go all in, it's not worth trying. Or if I don't go all in, I fail. It's all or nothing. And I get where that comes from. We've heard those sayings before from motivational speakers, athletes, people we may look up to. But I want you to ask yourself if you find yourself there, how has that concept been working for you? Do you think that way towards your budgeting? If you splurge where you initially weren't planning to, do you just throw the whole plan away and tell yourself you're going to try again next month? Do you view your business in that way? Say you've gotten really excited to start this new project and you have this mindset of you're going all in, all or nothing. And when you don't finish your to-do list, you retreat from your goal and tell yourself the week is ruined so you try to start again next week. You may be applying this to different aspects of your life like food or working out or your relationship or your morning routine. If this is you and it hasn't worked out for you so far, my encouragement would be let's change that. 
If you are someone who is trying to achieve this goal of perfection, you're setting yourself up for failure and not the good growth failure, the stagnant and paralyzing failure. Perfection is unachievable. So applying this idea of being perfect in our relationship with God will always cause you to fall on your face and feel the wrong emotions. When you are trying to abstain from sex and you find yourself doing good for a bit, but then you have a moment of weakness, do you beat yourself up for it? Do you turn away from God? Do you feel shame from the enemy? Or do you feel conviction from the Holy Spirit? Now let me define the difference between guilt and conviction because they can sometimes feel very similar and you may get confused which one you're feeling. And this is going to help you out. Conviction is a two-stage process. The Holy Spirit shows you your sin and he shows you how to turn from it, keyword turn, and walk instead in righteousness. Conviction is the first step to receiving the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. After all, how can you be forgiven for something you don't know is wrong? So conviction is good. Unless you recognize your own shortcomings and flaws, you cannot receive the gift of grace. This process really isn't that that great to go through, right? It's not a pleasant process. No one likes to be reminded of how imperfect they are. But the more we see how undeserving we are, the more grateful we are to Jesus, to our Savior for loving us anyway. I can literally get so emotional whenever I'm worshiping and the song's just talking about how broken we are and how, how much Jesus saves us and how much he loves us. And you really feel those emotions when you realize and recognize and think about your weaknesses your faults, your downfalls, your failures, you turning the moments where you've turned completely away from Jesus and he was still right there with you. And so conviction, as messy as it is, is a healthy step to growing closer to God. The ultimate goal of conviction is to shape you into a better person and follower of Christ. Whereas the ultimate goal of guilt is to make you feel as hopeless, worthless, and loveless as possible. Satan relies on our own confusion and uncertainty to break us down, okay? I want to recircle back to those. Satan relies on our own confusion and uncertainty to break us down. We sometimes may think Satan will pop up in like the most bold or loud way, but he feeds off of our emotions. He feeds off of our confusion, our uncertainty, when we aren't gaining and learning the knowledge of God's word, of the living word, of what he tells us. When we aren't clear and certain in the word of God, that is where Satan can come in and he will attack those areas of us. So that's why it's so important to be in the word and to be in prayer and to be in communication, to build this relationship with God, your father. Because if you aren't in those practices, it's easier for Satan, the enemy, to come in and to mess with you in those areas because you lack that uncertainty. Guilt leaves out that critical step of turning that allows us to change for the better instead of dwelling on our mistakes. So how to know the difference within your personal circumstance? So maybe the question for you today is, do you feel like you're dwelling on your mistakes and feel hopeless when you think about overcoming this struggle of yours, whatever it might be? Or are you turning to God, asking for his forgiveness and feel more gratitude for the Lord our God for giving us this beautiful, undeserving love? Now, if you find yourself feeling more guilty, I want you to know that most of us have been there and experienced that. Satan is a liar, a master manipulator, and he pounces on the vulnerable. The more you turn away from God, the more vulnerable you are to fall into the tricks of the enemy. My biggest, biggest, biggest 
piece of advice to you, and this is really the key point throughout this entire episode, it's this, it's surrendering. Maybe you've just said in your mind, ugh, Danielle, that word, I don't really know how or what that looks like exactly in my life. I've tried to do that. What did you surrendering to Jesus look like if you say that you've done it? And please know everything I'm saying here comes 100% from a place of love. I'm your big sister on this episode, okay? My goal is to help you see something you weren't able to see before so you can take action and start moving towards change in your life because this topic is really important. So when I think about surrendering, I can speak from personal experience and from what scripture demonstrates to us about what it looks like to live a surrendered life. I wanna place a little disclaimer here. I'm far from perfect and still struggle with things in my day-to-day, so please don't think just because I'm speaking on this topic means I fully live a life of surrender every second of every day. Remember, perfection isn't what we're after. Why? Say it with me. Perfection doesn't exist. Okay, now let's look at what scripture tells us first. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What is this saying exactly? Imagine right now you literally being crucified with Christ and you no longer living. If you are a believer and follower of Jesus, you are no longer living for yourself. You have an understanding that you wouldn't be here without Christ. Your ability to breathe, see, hear, walk, make an income, have sex are all gifts from God. You are alive by the power of Christ living in you. Understanding this verse brings me back to a place of humility, thankfulness, and honestly highlights my pride and ego as a human being. It's easy to get caught up in things of this world, but we have to remember that our bodies are not our own. As 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 states, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And reflecting on that verse, you are not your own, you were bought at a price just reminds me again how this is all a gift. How me being on this podcast, speaking to you, being able to look in this camera and share my thoughts and my experiences, everything that I've gone through, talk to different people. This is all a gift. This isn't from my own doing. This is all a gift from God. And you are not here walking freely. You're not given this this free gift of, of life, of living in relationship with God. It wasn't free. Your freedom was bought at a price through the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, I didn't say this was an easy thing to do. Most of the times, the things that God is asking us to do are not going to be easy things. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a daily wrestling, a daily struggle, especially in the beginning. Living in this world can blur our true God-given purpose, which is to bring glory to his name. That's it. That's our purpose, is to ultimately bring glory to his name. Now through whatever medium or how you do that, that's between you and God. In Isaiah 43, 7, it says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. We can see what Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1, 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
really thinking about these verses. It's not light stuff. We're talking about life and death. And remember, Paul, who was speaking in Philippians, is the same Paul who was stating how he was struggling with sin and how he'll always struggle with sin as long as he's living on this earth in Romans 7. So reminder again, God is not calling you to be perfect. The only one who walked this earth that was perfect was Jesus Christ. Every other of our biblical heroes that were living in close proximity to God, who heard him audibly, who saw him perform miracles, all struggled with sin. You are not alone in your struggles. So knowing that our purpose is to glorify our creator, knowing that the Lord our God gifts us with undeserving, complete love, like a perfect father does, and that everything we're able to do and experience is a blessing from him, how does that make you feel? I want you to think about that. Maybe even write a letter to God if you struggle with expressing how you feel verbally. Write your thanks and thoughts to him down on paper. When I first surrendered to the Lord, I felt so many emotions. The first emotion was a feeling of despair. I was desperate. I was on my knees, literally crying out to God and verbally stated, God, I don't want to do this anymore without you. I can't. I'm unable. I surrender my life to you, God. I surrender everything to you. Take it all from me. All I want is you. It was such an intimate moment and I'd never done or experienced anything like that before. God immediately gave me a sign that he heard me. He spoke to somebody else to speak life into me in that moment. That may not be how God responds to you. He responds to all of his children differently according to their personality and his plan. He ultimately knows best. Trust that. If it's hard for you to think about, think about how your parents may have disciplined you different than your sibling. Different conversation styles, different disciplinary actions were needed for both of you guys because you guys are different people and different things affect you in the way it needs to affect you. So not every single child of God needs to hear God the same. If you ever struggle with picturing God or talking to God or understanding his character, just think about the perfect father. More than what I physically saw and experienced, I felt God with me. I didn't feel shame. I didn't feel guilt. I felt like I wanted to repent of my lifestyle. I truly felt my heart and desire to do a 180 in that moment. And that's the definition of repenting. It's not just coming to God and just asking for his forgiveness. It's about truly wanting and desiring to do a 180 of your actions. That is true repentance. Anybody can continue to live the same lifestyle, turn to God, ask for forgiveness, but that that desire and that heart posture to come to him, to fall down to him, to say, I can't do this without you, and to fully repent is to fully do a 180 turn away from the lifestyle that you were living and to set your eyes on on God and to fully trust in him and to not trust on your own personal willpower or trusting in yourself that you can get through it on your own, but to take God along with you through the process and to let him know that you truly desire and need his help. Surrendering is all about that heart posture. It's fully laying it all out for God to see. It's you letting go of the baggage you've been holding on to. It's you repenting of your lifestyle, your sins, admitting it to God and asking for his forgiveness. It's you fully trusting in God enough to expose all parts of you. He already knows you through and through. Look, he already knows. He knows every single one of your thoughts. He knows all the details. 
Surrender to him today if you haven't yet. He's waiting for you with open arms and with a love we cannot comprehend. Now, I do have to share this. It wasn't all smooth sailing after that. And if you've already had your moment of surrender, you probably know this too. I've had my struggles after this and my biggest struggles were jealousy, premarital sex, not fully trusting God and self-righteousness. There are probably more, but those are the biggest ones that pop into my mind while thinking back. Whatever your struggles are, it's a daily wrestle. It's a daily surrender. And no matter who you are in what stage of your life that you're in or walk with God that you're in, you will experience temptation of Satan because Satan is real. Satan is active. And there's three things that Satan goes after. Satan goes after our appetite, our authority, and our ambitions. And the way he speaks to us, the way he deceives us, is he uses half truth and half lies. So we can see as an example, when Jesus was led by the spirit in the wilderness and the devil came to him and tried to tempt him, you can find this in Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11. And so in these verses, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But look at what Jesus did. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now let's look to see what Satan used because we said he uses half truth, half lie. If you are the son of God, that's true, right? Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Satan knows the authority that Jesus has. He knows the power of God living inside of him. But that deception that he's using is telling Jesus to go against the purpose that God had for him there. So we can look at how Jesus responded to Satan so we know how to respond to Satan. Jesus was hungry at this time, okay? Jesus was hungry. A loaf of bread probably sounded really great to him. Just like when we're in our weak moments, whatever it is that we are, we have our eyes on may look good to us in the moment, but will harm us long-term. So Jesus responded with the living word of God, with scriptures. And then we look in verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are son of God, jump off for the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone look again he's using scripture the devil is quoting scripture to tempt jesus jesus responded the scriptures also say you must not test the lord your god so satan may be telling you look god will forgive you if you do this just do it now. God wants you to feel good. God wouldn't give you this desire if you couldn't act on it, right? So Satan will use half truth to deceive you, to move you towards a life of, of death. So again, Jesus responded with truth. And how do we know truth? We have to read the living word. We have to be in the word of God. We have to understand God's character and how he wants us to live in union and in relationship with him. What obedience looks like to him for us. And then in verse eight, it says, Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. 
so if you've seen these themes of the ways Satan is tempting Jesus, it's the same way he tempts us today, right? With our appetite in the beginning in verse three, then in verse five, tempted with his authority, right? You are the son of God, jump off. And then in verse eight, tempted him with his ambitions. Satan is, is promising Jesus that Satan will give him the kingdoms of the world. And look at how Jesus responds to Satan. In verse 10, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. How did he respond once again? With what the living word of God says. So maybe you might be saying, I don't really know what God wants me to do in this instance. God will never tell you to do something that goes against what he's already written in scripture. If you're in that question of, I don't know how God wants me to handle this. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what to do in this situation. The answer lies in his living word. And this is something that we can see in the way Jesus is responding. And then in verse 11, it says, then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So what does that tell us? That in this life, we're going to struggle with Satan trying to tempt us to do things. Satan isn't the one that makes us sin. He's not the one that deems people to hell. It's the people. It's us. We have a choice. And we can choose either to be a follower of Jesus or to be a follower of Satan. This is probably something that's harder to hear, but it's the truth. There's only two sides. You're either a follower of Satan or you're a follower of Jesus. There's no in-between. This is something that maybe many people don't really talk about. They love to talk about the love of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus, but we have to face the reality and to talk about this aspect too, because this is real life. Our battle isn't with the physical world, it's with the spiritual world. Whether you can see it or not, whether you believe it or not, doesn't change the fact that it's going on and that it's true. I wanna share here also in Revelation 3.16, and this is Jesus's words. But since you are lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Who is he talking to here? He's talking to the lukewarm believer. He's talking to the person that believes they can live a life of their sinful desires and continue to live in this lifestyle that they love so dearly. And they've truly never turned into that 180 of repentance, of true repentance to, to imperfectly follow in Jesus's footsteps. So it's better to either be hot, to be all in with Jesus, to be fully in, to be fully trusting in Jesus, or to be fully out, to be cold, to be be a follower of Satan because if you don't choose to follow Jesus, you're choosing to be a follower of Satan. And I know that may sound harsh, but it's just the, the honest reality here. And I didn't start this podcast to beat around the bush, to share lukewarm messages, to share surface level stuff. I, sh I started this podcast because God placed it in my heart to share the truth, to share what's really going on because the truth will set people free. This is literally life or death. And you can be a follower of Jesus and still struggle with sin. That's not what I'm saying here. Again, you'll never be the perfect follower of Jesus. I'm far from perfect. I wanna give you three things that you can do to beat temptation. And it's hard, it's gonna be hard, but these are three things that hopefully will help you in your journey. Number one, Jesus in me. Jesus in you. When you're facing temptation, literally say Jesus's name out loud. Do you know how much power and how much weight Jesus's name holds? Say it out loud. Say, Jesus, help me in this moment. Jesus in me. That is one way you can beat temptation. Number two, 
Satan behind me. Just like Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because Satan doesn't have the final say over you and over your life. Who has the final say? Jesus does. And you have Jesus living in you. So get behind me, Satan. Satan behind me. And number three, have Christ followers alongside you. This is so important because we've talked about it. I've talked about it on multiple different episodes, but how important your environment is. You've probably heard the saying, you're the average of the five people you hang around, right? It's true. We're people that adapt to our environments. And it's already so easy to get influenced by media, by our friends, by our family, by our situation, by our work environment, our coworkers. This is all influencing us, whether in a good way or a bad way. So you have to make the decision to surround yourself with people who are also after Jesus's heart. Because if you aren't, and if you don't, it's gonna be harder for you to beat and conquer temptation if the people around you aren't also in that mindset of turning away from temptation. Because ultimately, as a follower of Jesus, what are we doing? We're turning away from temptation. We are fleeing from temptation. And what are followers of Satan doing? They're turning towards temptation. They're allowing temptation to control their life and they're a slave to sin. There's so many places in scripture that highlights Jesus's character and how he went to a quiet place to pray. And I'll highlight Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, if you've been walking with Jesus, you've probably experienced some feeling of feelings of loneliness, right? That's why I highly encourage getting in community with other believers so you don't feel that loneliness because it can feel very, very lonely because you're you're turning from your old lifestyle, your old actions, your old thought patterns, and to start this new life. You're born again once you accept Christ. And so this feeling of loneliness can creep in because it's like you're leaving your old life behind and you're starting this path. And sometimes, a lot of the times, you're starting it alone. So thinking about Jesus often going to lonely places and praying, how much more should we go to our quiet place with God to pray? This totally convicts me because I can totally spend more time with God in the quiet place. What should be our first response? Prayer. What may our first response look like right now? That can vary with each listener, but it might be settling your nerves with a glass of wine or calling a friend or sister to gossip or going to your spouse to ask for their opinion. Typically, our initial human instinct is to go to things of this world. Now, I'm not saying that getting wise advice from people who have gone before you is a bad thing. That's a great thing. But the first thing to do, and you know you are growing and building a relationship with the Lord when you start going to Him first. He knows you better than anyone. He knows you better than your spouse, your boyfriend, your sister, your mom. He loves you more than anyone and he wants the best for you. So circling back to this question of what do you do when you want to stop but can't? First, remind yourself what Paul tells us about our sinful nature. Second, turn and surrender to your perfect father and creator of the universe. What does surrendering look like? It looks like stripping away all of your pride, exposing yourself before the Lord your God, repenting of your sins. What does repenting mean? Turning, doing a 180 and trusting in him with all your heart. Trust him when he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow 
me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That's Luke 8, 34 through 35. Trust in him that his way leads to life. So no, you won't be able to conquer your struggle alone. And that's probably why you're listening to this podcast. You probably are experiencing that right now. You've probably relied on your own willpower, on your own strength, and you can find yourself continuing to fail time after time. You ultimately have to rely on him. You have to invite him in to help you. You have to. If you try to rely on yourself and your own willpower, you will fall every single time. Speaking of willpower, it reminds me that another part of how you can resist temptation is not to put yourself in the middle of it. Whatever you need to stay away from, do that. Human willpower is weak. Even if you think you're strong, you have weaknesses. And if you truly want to turn from your sin, you must remove yourself from any and all situations that lure you to sin again. So yes, That means saying no to things you're used to saying yes to. That means turning down things that you may really love to do, but you know it's wrong. This won't be easy, but this is necessary. I'll give you two scriptures here to reference to. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That's 1 Corinthians 15.33. And in Matthew 5, 29 and 30, it says, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, he's not saying this literally to gouge out your eyes and to cut your hands off, but Jesus is using this exaggeration to demonstrate how seriously God takes sin and how high the stakes are when it comes to sin. Sin can ruin our lives. Sin starts at the inner places of a person. We cannot escape it, so we shouldn't flirt with it. We must flee from it. So I know you're probably thinking of a couple things or a couple of struggles that you currently have in your life have probably popped up throughout this episode and you're probably viewing it as, yeah, I know what I'm doing is sin and I know God doesn't want me to do this, but it feels good or I enjoy it or I don't really like, I can't picture my life without it or I feel like my life will be boring if I stop doing whatever it is that I'm doing. And these thoughts that are creeping in, I encourage you to just go back to what God says and go back to the word and to trust him that his plan is better, that his idea and plan for your life is better than the ideas and plans that you have for your life. Now, the question is, is it really worth it? Is the lifestyle that you're living and it's in opposition with the life that God calls you to live, he calls us higher as believers. He calls us to be set apart from this world if we are believers. Now, it's not easy. It's a daily struggle, like I've said, and I've repeated over and over in this episode. But again, it's the heart posture. And look, if that's you, tell God this because he came to earth as man so he could feel what we feel, so he could struggle with what we struggle with, okay? There's nothing that you're going through that Jesus didn't experience. Nothing. So I invite you and he invites you to bring it to him to say, look, God, this is something that's in my life. This is a lifestyle that I'm living and I'm enjoying it. This is something that I like to do. Please help me, God, change my heart, search my heart and help me change this desire and sit in the quiet place and listen to him. 
because relationship takes honesty, right? You have, if you have a boyfriend or significant other or a friend, if you try to hide parts of yourself, you're not really giving them the authentic you, right? You're lying about how you truly feel. You're lying about who you are. You're lying about your struggles. Now, if, they, if they're somebody that loves you and cares for you, don't you think it would be beneficial for you to lay it all out on the table and to tell them how you truly feel and to share with them your real struggles? Same thing. And even at a massive and immense greater scale, it needs honesty. It needs full trust. And relationships take work. So I just encourage you, that's my biggest encouragement to you is to go to him every single day and just be honest with what you're feeling. Don't try to hide it. He will help you. Like I can promise you, he's so faithful. He can help you with everything you're struggling with. He's not gonna guilt trip you for it. What you've done, there's grace for that. You rob someone, there's grace for that. You've had multiple sex partners out of marriage, there's grace for that. You struggle with drunkenness or drug addiction, there's grace for that. You gossip on a daily, there's grace for that. You're lying to your partner, there's grace for that. Anything that you can think of, there's grace for that. You were bought at a price. All those things that you think are so bad, Jesus crucified himself on the cross for everything that, you, that you're looking behind at you and you're saying, there's no way that God can forgive me for this. I, I, there's no way I can bring this to him. I don't even wanna to talk to him. I, I can't face him. Picture the image of Jesus and what he did. He didn't do it in vain. He did it for you too. His blood covers everything. Don't for a second doubt that. So I truly hope you felt like I was a big sis or a best friend to you while listening to this episode. I hope you leaving today's message with a stirring in your spirit to take that next step of action for you, whether that be surrendering to Jesus for the first time. Trust me when I say a surrendered life is so much better than anything I could find temporary satisfaction within this world. Maybe it's getting clear on what boundaries you need to set to help eliminate the temptation of sin in your life. Maybe that's to stop talking to certain people. Maybe that's blocking certain people from social media or their numbers. Maybe that's changing your friend group, minimizing time with certain people. Maybe that's changing your habits on the weekends. Maybe that's changing what you're listening to and what you're watching. Or maybe you've done those things and the next action step for you is to let go of this idea and goal of perfection because we know what the ultimate result of that is, right? Or maybe it's just taking time to sit in prayer, going to the quiet place with the Lord to speak to him, but more importantly, to sit in silence with expectation that he will respond to you. Maybe that's opening the word up for the first time in months, maybe weeks, maybe years, and just read the living word of God. Now, if you're new to reading the word, I encourage you to go to the gospel, go to Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, and to start there. Maybe you're somebody who needs a community of other believers. And if that's you, I encourage you to find a church in your local area, get an in-person community. There's nothing like it. And you can also reach out to me to be invited into a virtual community of believers because that has really brought a lot of joy in my life too. 
I'm involved in a few different Bible study groups online. There's one that's strictly for women on their sobriety journeys, whether that be with sex, drugs, alcohol, lying, gossiping, like any sobriety journey. There is one that I attend once a week with a mentor of mine from my past two episodes, and we really dive into scripture verse by verse and dissect what it means. And then there's one that I host with a friend of mine and we dive into a book of the Bible together, ask questions and just have genuine authentic conversation around those things. So we can totally find the right one that fits in with what you're wanting to be a part of. I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. You're truly so appreciated. Every single person that is listening, that has been listening to me over these past few weeks and just following this journey, you mean so, so, so much to me. It just brings so much joy to my life. And if you are enjoying the content, I would so appreciate it if you left a five-star review and just some kind words. It'll really bump up the podcast and it'll get it out to other ears who need to hear these messages messages as well. So let's walk out this week boldly and faithfully until next week. All right, let's bring it in. Giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of Blackouts to Breakthroughs podcast. And you know what? You just deserve it. The reviews and subscriptions mean a lot to me. So if you love today's episode, make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any other episodes. Also, I'd love to hear your takeaways. So feel free to screenshot this episode, put it in your stories and tag me at Blackouts to Breakthroughs on Instagram with your big takeaways so I can connect with you and reshare your post. I can't wait to hear from you until next time, friend.